are love pumping. <laughs> you are protecting all that is sacred and, and beautiful and in sync with poetry and, and sunsets and little newborn babies. You're walking the walk. This is it, Fisher, the real stuff. You love this woman. And nothing, absolutely nothing supersedes love, man. Nothing. I love you. I love more. I love Michael. This car is full of love. Trust me, we can do what it takes. Whatever it takes. Hello, listening people. Hello. Hi, Bartek. How are you? Good, Ryan. How are you? I'm feeling very bad. I feel like I've done some very, very bad things. You know what? Remember that you said that, because those words are actually going to come back a bit later. Is it? Yeah. Okay, like, which specific words? The, the, very, like, the very bad things. Oh no, hello listening people. Hi Bartek, no, hi that's, Ryan. That's from 2014. Uh, okay, fair enough. So we are spin Polish likingly because we are always spinning and we both happen to be of Polish descent in some minor way. Yeah, I couldn't believe it when I found that out. I know, like, I rolled over one day and there was the president of Poland in my bed looking at me saying, you are Polish, and then he left. And he got on a donkey and rode away. Oh, thank God I thought you were going to say he got on a plane. <laughs> no, that was a tragedy. Yeah, I know. It was an international tragedy <laughs> that Bartek was not connected with in any minor way at all. So, we are talking about a movie, Bartek, on our movie discussion podcast, Pictures Pow Wow, which you came up with the title for that, remember? Yeah, I had an other, another title. I'm like, oh, my, another one I was thinking of was Pictures Pow Wow, but I thought that was too silly, and then you liked it. And then it. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> And then you said the other one, and I was like, I can't even remember what it was. And I was like, get the fuck out. Pictures Power is like the best thing ever. Like, it's got the PP, the PP, the original PP. Yeah. And then I learned that uh, powwow is a Native American thing. Yeah, yeah. I had to teach you about powwows and teepees, and here we are. Well, always... I knew about teepees. I've seen, I've seen Cannibal Musical. <laughs> I've, I've seen things, okay? We have teepees. Yes. I always like, there's a sketch by the two Ronnies in which they teach you how, I think it's Swedish, how to speak Swedish, which is just, they put two letters together, together, and you have to pronounce it, you have to, like, say those letters, like, how to say TP in a Swedish accent. T-P. That's it. Mm -hmm. Just the T-P, and then it's like, you know, and then here's a city, so C-T. And then just goes on and on and on. W-Q. And then, and this lady has some nice T T and then it just cuts abruptly um to like <laughs> we, we're no longer broadcasting this. So we are talking about a movie that came recommended from our good friend and fellow podcaster, Alex from the Contrarians podcast. Yep, happened literally at the end of the last episode. Yeah, yeah. Previously on Spin Polish Presents Pictures Powwow. Hey Alex, what do you want to recommend? Oh well ladies gentlemen, it's me, uh, Alex, and I like uh, wrestling, y'all, and I think you should do uh, very bad things. Uh y'all, thank you uh for listening to my talk. And Alex. I'm pregnant. <laughs> And now the conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> and now the thrilling conclusion. So we are doing very bad things. That's the film. Mm-hmm. Not we are just doing very yeah, bad yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, it really sounded like that. <laughs> doing very bad things. So if people have not watched this film, watch it. We are going to talk about it in depth. Full details. Spoilers are abound. Bartek, I'm pretty sure you walked in not even knowing the plot. No, I didn't. <laughs> Next time on Bartek Stutters. Um, no, just like a lot of films, this was one I hadn't heard of, and I just looked it up on Wikipedia just to know what year it was, and I saw it's a black comedy. So yep. that's that's all I knew walking in. Yes, so if people have not seen it, go ahead, watch it, come back, listen to us. So your history is you've never heard of this, never seen this before, not familiar with this at all? No, I'm not. I have told you the plot of this because the I... plot is they uh, Bachelor <laughs> Night Gone Wrong, kill a, kill a stripper. So I remember that. your story that I think you're going to tell, and yes. it's very funny. So I have seen this movie before. I own it on DVD. Oh, I have... okay. Watched it many a times. My parents got it when it came out on DVD. This DVD lives in the $2 bin a lot. Like, you will see it in the $2 bin down Mm. here in Australia a lot. It was not well-received. It did not do well. It is a cult classic, if anything. Oh, that's good. And we watched it. My mum and dad were familiar with it, but it was just one of those, like, oh, this is grimy and gross and fun. And 
I really enjoy this movie. I have a fond attachment with it. I think it's very funny. I think it's very brutal. I love the fact that the movie is cruel to its characters because they deserve it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I don't like um, movies that are just needlessly cruel, but this one is it's needed. They deserve everything that happens to them, every single one. Every single character, except for maybe the wife that gets killed by Christian Slater. She's like the only innocent person in the whole fucking film that gets it. (laughs) But I like this movie, and I always think of this movie when I think of the actor Christian Slater. People think of him from Heathers. People think of him from Mr. Robot nowadays. I Or people think of him as the Jack Nicholson wannabe. He is always this guy. He is always Boyd. Boyd. Yeah, Boyd. Boyd. (laughs) And I always think of him in this role. And that's also what clings me to this movie is I like Christian Slater. I like him as an actor. He isn't the most versatile actor, but he's one that when you put him in the exact right type of role, only he can play it. Like Christopher Walken, right? Can you imagine Pulp Fiction and that scene in Pulp Fiction without Christopher Walken (laughs) playing it? That's right, yeah. Only he could play that. And Christian Slater is very much the same type of actor. You need to put him in a specific type of role, and he gets it. And this is one where he gets it, and I love him in this. I mean, he was... I'm pretty sure he was in Austin Powers, uh, Christian Slater, at one point. Was he the Orange Sherbert guy? I can't remember. I swear he's in them. I think he was a guard of some sort. He was a guard of some sort. Maybe he was one of the guards that was just like in that scene where it was like the guy who got run over by the so slow I, steamroller. I, I don't, I don't actually, I'm not actually too familiar with him, but I think I looked him up and I think it said that he was easily fooled guard or something like that. Yeah, okay, fair enough. I'm not sure which one that is because I haven't seen Austin Powers in forever. Uh, we, we should do it one day. Dude, I, it's one some of the reason films I think for. he's the orange <laughs> sherbet guy, but um, either way, I like, I like this movie. I love it. When I've grown up i've rarely met people who know it and when i do they talk about its infamy more so than the actual quality of the film they talk about oh did you know that this was reviled by critics i read the ebert review ebert and blah 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 and like oh all this kind of stuff rather than like what do you think of the movie what do you think of it and all that or they talk about like the weird cast like john favreau and 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 the guy from home alone and all of that so i like this quite a bit what did you think? I can see why people don't like it, but I really liked it. I had a good time with this film. <laughs> yeah, that's, this, that's this what is, I wanted to hear. Yeah, th- look, this is a film where the the characters are not likable. Mm. I didn't hate them, but my my neutrality and my uh, my the fact that I was out of the story and watching them and like just seeing the consequences of their actions come at them. That was the experience that I think is the intention. Yeah, you're just watching the folly of man. The folly of man and just seeing these guys get what's coming to them. The, the moments where they're like, no, no, we can we can still be good people out of this. And then it just like messes up even more. And it's like, mm-hmm, yep, keep going, sir. I'm watching. <laughs> I love that. Yep, go, go, keep going, sir. I'm watching. <laughs> I want to talk a bit about the director of this film, Peter Berg, director and writer for a bit. Yep. He has one of the most interesting filmographies of a modern director I've ever seen. This is his first film. Um, He directed a single episode of a TV show before this. So his first film, very, very, very out-of-the-box type of movie, right? It's You can see that there's a definite Tarantino-y influence. You know, it's that time period where mm. everyone was kind of like that. It's grimy, it's gross. It's There's it's some got, there's some artsy things in it. Artsy things, got a definite unique style, and the writing, and the, the plot of it is just so crazy uh, for back then. Not, you know, it's, it's unique. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he went on to direct... Welcome to the Jungle with Dwayne the Rock Johnson, which is also known as the Rundown, which also has Stifler in it. Mm-hmm. So, like, a that's an that's an unappreciated masterpiece in a way. That film, like, it's it's decent, but not enough people have seen it. And then he did Friday Night Lights, which is like American football-y stuff going on, which then spawned a TV show, right? That went on for years. Mm-hmm. And then skip ahead for a couple of films, Hancock, yeah. which I hate, and I badmouthed last week on the show, not realizing that the choice later on was going to be a film. Directed by the same guy who did Hancock, which I fucking despise. I hate Hancock. <laughs> and then he did a few music videos, like, for Christina Aguilera and shit like that. Or, or, or like, Maroon 5. 
And it's like, okay, interesting. And then later on, Battleship. Remember that classic? Right, yes, I do. The most One of the most joked about and despised movies. Remember, this is the same guy who did this movie we're covering very bad things, Battleship. <laughs> and then he did the trilogy, or like many films with Mark Wahlberg. He did like, uh, he did uh, Deep Water Horizon, the biopic about the oil rig disaster. Mm-hmm. Then he did Patriot's Day, which is another like the Boston... Uh, Marathon I think shootings and all that, and then he did uh, Mile Twenty Two, which is another Mark Wahlberg ac- like actiony where he's got a gun, and then he recently did like a Kevin Hart like comedy action film for Netflix that no one saw. What an interesting filmography! Like, where what happened to this guy, the one who did this movie? Because. All of those things I just listed to you, some of them you've seen, some of you them you haven't, or even at least heard of, you wouldn't think that the guy that started off with very bad things grew into that director. Mm. But somehow he did. And I, I find that always interesting, because we talked about last week with Paul W.S. Anderson. He started out doing certain types of movies, and then he just kind of fell in to just doing, like, money movies, the the Resident Evil stuff, right? At the beginning of his career, he had some artistic intent, whether it was good or not. Well, he, Peter Berg, it's like, he started out with this, and then just went, ah, I'll work with The Rock. <laughs> Immediately. Like, yeah. ah, I'll work, I'll work with The Fucking Rock, I guess. Like, and that's it. And then from there on, he's just done weird shit. And I find that very interesting, because I really loved watching this again last night, and I was really noticing the direction and the visuals and the way he would frame the camera. And, like, this isn't the most expensive movie. You can kind of tell that. But it's got an interesting cast. But I felt like a lot of the energy of this movie was really held up by his direction. Mm-hmm. I was having sweaty palms throughout lots of scenes because it was just so anxiety-inducing. Even though I know exactly how this is all going to play out. And I know what these characters do and how they are. Just because of the pinpoint direction of the camera, the when they cut, the music, all of that is just so confident. For like a first yeah. big movie, this is a confident movie. Yeah, like for the beginning of this film, putting aside the, the Cameron Diaz scenes, I'm not bad-mouthing them or anything, but all of the scenes from the mm. beginning to the, the prostitute getting killed... Mm. The camera has all these like really weird angles. Mm. The like when we the very first thing we see is like oh a wedding day and then these two guys just sitting in this room tapping tapping and, and just like low angle side angle like opposite intense whatever, close up intense close up and and then when they get to Vegas the the lapse of time is just like going all over the place. You suddenly have this calm moment where he's on the phone with Cameron Diaz. Then when they're in their hotel room. It's like this fever dream going on where they're talking about, like, nothing. Like, oh, kids failing geography. Go buy them a lobster dinner in Maine and things yeah, like that. The juice! <laughs> the juice. And, like, the fact that the lighting is, like, very dim. It's like, what is this place? This feels like a like a cult thing's about to happen almost. But it's all on purpose. Yeah. This isn't incompetence. You are on purposely having a sense of dysphoria. Yeah. And, and when you don't, it's like very specific like for instance when before they leave for their trip they're getting their picture or the video taken Mm. and they're all standing there outside the minivan and whatever and you're getting to know each one of the characters a little bit more that's kind of calm but there's like lots of stuff going on in the frame like like uh, christian slater has his fingers crossed after he promised he wouldn't be smoking and then the quiet guy is like fiddling with like the antenna on the van mm. it's like lots of little things are still happening like lots of things yeah sensory overload is a great way to describe the first act of this yeah. movie a lot, in particular a lot of neuroticism too yeah well that that that, that <laughs> carries through as the as the crime is hidden and they become more and more paranoid and more and more neurotic about the crime that they have done and another part of my history with this movie is this is the group of guys killed the stripper slash hooker plot yeah um even in the imdb trivia they talk about how like basically a lot of the plot is lift or like the setup of the plot is lifted pretty heavily from some tv movie that came out a year before mm-hmm. um it's not a unique necessarily unique plot but what i love about it is I I love that in a lot of these, it's almost like God themselves turn against these guys and punish them. <laughs> it's very biblical a lot of the time for some reason, these stories. But 
I was seeing a play. Yep, this is the story. Written by a friend of ours that we went to university with. And I saw the play, didn't know anything about it. It was just called, like, The Boys, which is just such a great title because there's so many fucking Australian plays called <laughs> Boys or The Boys or whatever. So it's not the most uh, memorable title. But it was an Australian thing, and it was about these group of guys... <laughs> Who are at a bachelor party, and oh, when you know it, they hire a stripper. Who then one of them wants to have sex with, but she's like, "I'm just a stripper, but I'm actually, but I'll, if you pay me more, I'm a hooker." Mm-hmm. And then oh, they go all crazy and have a party, and when you know it, the guy who fucked the stripper, who's now a hooker, is dead because of an accident. He like fell over and like broke her neck, and it's like the exact same fucking, fucking plot. Yes. And I was sitting there going, this is the exact same fucking plot. And then, oh, wouldn't you know it, the guy who's like the super sleazy one who's confident takes over the scenario and tells them what they have to do to cover this up. And wouldn't you know it, one of them feels guilty about it and they start to go deranged and they have to kill him. And then the one who actually did the initial killing, they have to tie him up because he's feeling racked with guilt and just spirals out from there. No, oh, wouldn't you know it, one of their girlfriends finds out about the situation and the guy who's super confident has to kill that girlfriend, perhaps. And... It was the exact same fucking plot, <laughs> but without any of the charm. And it was done on stage. And I was sitting there going, what the fuck? I've seen this. And, and I was in a room full of sycophants who were like, oh, this is brilliant. I've never seen a plot like this before. And I was sitting there thinking, what the? I've seen this plot so many fucking times. Not just in very bad things, but in like TV shows. And uh, like I saw Law and Order's done this plot. But it was so much of this movie, like with a hint of like the biblical aspect, you, you've of, told of, like the godlike <laughs> aspect coming in to punish them. You've, and- you've told me about the fact that it was about you know like dead hookers story at a bachelor party. I didn't know that the rest of it was also. It's so <laughs> much like, like that. It, but it really did feel like. Oh, if I change some minor details around, like when a kid is trying to get away with plagiarism at school, like they just change. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And I said straight up to my friend, I was just like, oh, man, I've seen that story before. And I, like, listed out all of these fucking things. And I said, I'm very bad things. And he reacted when I said that film. That was the one where he overtly reacted like he didn't know what that was, which indicated that he knew exactly what that fucking was. (laughs) And I was furious because I love this movie. But seeing somebody replicate it and basically, in my opinion, rip it off was an insult, but also it made me so fucking happy, because it's just something <laughs> something about my brain, it gets a carnal, like, there's just some kind of primitive thing that gets energized when I see obvious plagiarism, <laughs> but I'm the only one who knows. Yep, I can see that. And I love I love that, but I want to let us all know that our good friend Alex, he, he recommended this, and he said at the end of the previous episode that he thought Christian Slater... Mm-hmm. should have got an Oscar for this performance. Remember, he said that to us. He's like, remember, guys, I think he should have got an Oscar for this performance. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that statement, having now watched the movie? Uh, he was really good in it, for sure. Um, I, I guess if, if we're talking about the Oscars from the... Not, not so much like they give the award to the best person, but from the this is who they would give the award for, I couldn't see mm. that organization giving this kind of performance an Oscar. So. No, they're cowards. Yep, they're cowards. They're fucking cowards. So <laughs> I asked our good friend Alex from the Contrarians podcast to give us some of his thoughts and feelings about the movie because he was so gung-ho. Mm-hmm. So I've got them yeah, here. Yeah, I'm keen to hear This him. is what he had to say about it. And there's so much I don't agree with here, but I love it anyway. <laughs> yep. Very bad things walked so spring breakers could fashionably scroll across the screen. Dark comedies are one thing. Very bad things is another. It highlights the American dream in such a raw way that I can't help but double over in laughter. This paved the way for the pain and gains of the world. A film the Wolf of Wall Street wishes it could be. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is a bold statement. Daniel Stern is incredible. Jon Favreau is used perfectly. Cameron Diaz, and then in brackets, at her mask hottest. So when she was in the mask, she was pretty hot, but this is at that era where she's just as hot as in the mask. Is featured in a way no one else ever dared to use her again. I agree with that. Jeremy Piven is at his peak in brackets, the goods being pardoned. I'm like, okay, he's got he's got his stuff out. And then the classic. Christian Slater should have received a best supporting actor nomination. It is the sum of its parts. I love this film and 
and as an absolute mark for physical media, the quest to own it only builds to its lore. By no means is this for everyone, but for those that appreciate it, it's hard to top. Fearless filmmaking. I feel so sorry for Alex, because he lives in America, where this is apparently very hard to find physically. Here in Australia, I could not stop finding this in $2 bins, so... If I see... I'll buy it if I see one. Yeah, you have to go to, like, a reject shop and find it in $2 bin. That's where it lives, and it's just so funny. Like, what I don't agree with there is... It's like... See, I think this is a good movie, but then saying it helped pave the way for these movies that I don't think are very good, like Pain and Gain, doesn't make it feel like a warming statement to me, but I get it. And The Wolf of Wall Street I, one, I feel like they're two different types of movies. Yeah, take yeah. that, Scorsese. Yeah, Scorsese, take a lesson from the guy who did Hancock, okay? I do like that he threw in a line about the American dream really early on in there. <laughs> yeah, to remind us he's American. <laughs> so I watched this, like I said... And I had watched this only a year or so ago with my wife Rachel. Oh, I was okay. like, "You haven't seen very bad things. Let's 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 watch the movie." And she enjoyed it that first time, and enjoyed it even more the second time. That's good. Um. So, what about the film really caught you? Like, what what, what about it hooked you? Because you're saying this starts very disorienting. Yeah. Like, although, but like, you like the movie. What about it? Did you did you get attached to? Well. Like I said, the the way it started and the the tone throughout it, like it really grabbed me. It, it it didn't quite feel like you know David Lynch or anything like that, but it was this really weird, you know, tone that I thought was really good that it had. So we even have um, <clears throat> it's the only character whose name I don't remember. The the tall one, the the brother, the Jewish guy. Um, oh, Daniel Stern. Daniel Stern, yeah. Yeah, the guy character. from Home Alone. Yeah, yeah. You um, knew that's him, right? Yes, yes. Immediately. <laughs> Not immediately, but I knew it was him yeah, yeah, when I heard his name. Um, his arc throughout the film where he's, like, taking it the hardest, you know, he's, like, really nervous, and you have these scenes where he's, like, getting really tense, and his kids are screaming, mm. and he's paranoid about, like, everyone around him, and he just breaks down, like... Wizards. <laughs> wizards. <laughs> wizards. <laughs> fucking fucking wizards. We need to go to America to find out what these are. I think we Wait, have we them. Have them don't we, we have but have something, don't we? Wizards. Do we want to get some wizards? Let's go to the BP. All right. So you were saying <laughs> he really captured you because he's like... Well, his scenes really did capture me because the tone was just so unsettling and like you just felt like the straw was going to break the camel's back at any moment. Mm. And then his fate when it happened, like... It was being set up slowly, and I was like, oh, okay, I, I know what's going to happen to him. His brother is going to ram him with the car. But then when it happened, it's like, holy shit, that was raw. And the aftermath of it is what also makes it even more raw, with Jeremy Piven being like, I killed my brother, by the way, everyone. Mm. I killed my brother in cold blood. And it's just like he's breaking down over the fact that <laughs> yeah. he killed his own brother. Yeah. And like that's what makes it impactful. I think what makes Daniel Stern stand out so much in the cast of guys, other than he's towering over them yeah even though i'm apparently the same height as him so that's that's crazy oh. i thought he would tall i thought he was taller than me but it means but every other cast member is like five eight so oh that's just, christian slater's like uh, five eight so, so i'm a little taller than them yeah so yeah. um fun fact cameron diaz taller than christian slater <laughs> so there you go but i think what makes daniel stern stand out is because uh, not just because of his story but he's the only non-comedic character out of them like all of them are kind of funny Mm. but he's feeling like he's playing like he's in a real like in a real movie like in a dramatic he's the version of this story he's the one that they roll their eyes at yeah like if this was a dramatic movie like if this was a drama and it's the same plot his character would not have to be changed that's what i'm saying yeah that's a good point he is still so relatable if you changed this from a comedy to a drama he's not playing it like it's comedy he has these little funny moments but really what makes him so uh someone that you can attach yourself to is because he's the only one that really really grab like grasps the 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 situation like the gravity of the situation that's gone on like he's the one who feels guilt and i also appreciate in a movie that is as blatantly horrid and mean-spirited and cynical as it is i do like that the film has him have a religious angle to his character and the uh crisis of faith that this act has put upon him because he sees himself as a good man he sees himself as a good father he sees himself as a good jew he doesn't give a shit if they're anti-semitic against him he doesn't think his brother's a good jew he does like all that and i like how that 
that that seed that was planted early on about his character does grow and it is a it is a part of why he falls apart he his his good jewish nature here is is what is eating away at his soul he's the one who's who's convinced they're going to like burn in hell and like mm-hmm. all of this all of this crazy stuff and that it makes him super compelling to watch because he's also the one who's got the most to lose yeah, as a character he's the one that already has a family he's the one who's already succeeded out of them in that way of having a family and kids and the car and the house and all of that which again all comes back to bite John Favreau in the fucking ass <laughs> yeah which was amazing can we talk about Cameron Diaz yes of course what did you think <laughs> I, I what was your journey with Cameron because she starts out one way you kind of indicated you, the Cameron scenes early on were a little bit something it's not that they were something, it's just that those didn't have the same tone as, like, you know, that, that beginning wedding scene and the Las Vegas sequence. They were a bit more, you know, standard, like, couple bickering things. In a way, you look back, they were the setup to what her whole <laughs> yeah. deal is. Yes, and I, I was feeling it then, too, because, you know, we've, we've had this conversation way, way back when we did Over Her Dead Body about how, you know, women, when it comes to setting up their weddings, you know, they're, they're very meticulous about it. They want everything to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, but because we were following this main character here who, you know, he was doing his best, but not quite keeping up to her standards, there was this to- this element of like, okay, she's taking it a bit too far, but because of the situation they're in, you know, we will we'll accept it. We don't really know her yet. Um I wasn't surprised when later on she did have some morally reprehensible things. At first, it ki- it kind of surprised me, but as soon as he was confessing uh, what happened, I knew, like, oh, okay, I know how she's going to take this. It's wedding or nothing. <laughs> I do love Cameron Diaz in this movie, and I 100% agree with Alex's take. I've never seen her do a role like this in her entire career. Uh, like, I think Karen Diaz is a very good actress and a good comedic actress. We've sung her praises a lot. We've yeah. sung her praises a lot over the years. She is a very attractive woman, but I feel like, similar to Heather Graham in a lot of ways, she uses her looks, not just not only just uses her looks, but also her, her comedic skills. Mm-hmm. And I think she's so fucking great here, because... I love that for the last scene of the film, she's basically the main character. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's devoted to her now. Yeah. This is her punishment. But I... I love her in this movie. She it's it's against type, but also kind of not. I don't know what it is. I think it's just I don't associate her with an outright dark comedy. Mm. I think of her in movies with dark comedic elements, but not to this level. And I think she's pitch perfect here. And in a way, I think maybe Heather Graham kind of took the roles that she would have done if she went to do dark comedies more often, because Heather Graham kind of is the pretty blonde lady who's done, like, absurdist, weirdo comedies, not just Austin Powers, but a few other things over the years. So I do love her in this. I love what a bitch she is. She's just (laughs) such a fucking bitch. The, The chairs, the chairs. What about when... I know we have to I'm jumping to the end, but I love um, where she's like, Boyd, this is my day, my day. And she's like beating him to death. <laughs> and she's just so pissed off about how he's stealing her day. Uh, after that happened and like they had that sequence, I think it was after the, the ceremony itself mm. where like she kept telling her friends to shut up, give me two minutes. Yeah, she's be, she's pretending to be super nice. She's like, yeah, oh, it's yeah. like two minutes. I was kind of hoping that her and her friends would then like have a little setup like, you know, we have to bury the body and we're going to work with my husband now. So like, you know, it's like, mm. oh, she's not so different after all. But... No, she's even more evil. She just makes her husband do it. And also kill the dog. The dog. Was that dog established before then? <laughs> yes, he was. He was. He was um, Daniel Stern's dog. He was established throughout the movie, so he inherited the dog right. as well as the children. Yeah, you know what? I, I remember the dog now from like the, the camera scene. Yeah, and you yeah. see the dog in the waiting room where the kids are fighting one another when they're finding out they're inheriting all of Daniel Stern's shit, and it's not that yeah. much he's got the kids, and they look out there, there's the dog barking, the kids are fighting. Yeah. The dog was established, and, <laughs> and also like when the kids were staying with uh, Cameron Diaz and the kids like smash the board with all of her stuff. The dog was just barking the whole scene and she just told the dog, shut up, shut up, shut up. Oh, I want to have something pointed out. Sure. On Australian DVDs, this film is rated MA, which is for mature audiences, yep, 15 plus. It's one below R for us. Yes. 
And I love it's rated for like high level violence, mm-hmm. medium level sex scene, which yep. I guess is the, the the hooker scene. Yep. And then the biggest laugh I've ever had throughout this whole movie is medium level coarse language. If there was ever a film that's high level, it's this yeah. one. Also, they say fuck over a hundred times. Also, where are the drug references? They didn't. They couldn't they, fit they it couldn't on there. They couldn't fit it in. But that was so funny to me. It's like medium level. Well, I guess we were a lot more relaxed back then, huh? Mm. I mean, I guess it's not Goodfellas level of swearing, but it's not as long as I th- Goodfellas. I think, I think the trivia said there was like 123 fucks yeah yeah so i love i guess that's high quantity if cameron diaz came back because she's retired Mm. she came back i would love her to do more stuff like this we did her last film right was it annie annie black annie blanny um seven years man seven years 2014 yeah seven years so she's been gone for quite some time but i'd love if she came back and did more projects like this this i think what's so refreshing about her in this is it's the it's she had an image, right? She was the nice, pretty girl. Like, she was the nice girl in the mask, and she was Mary and something about Mary. Mm-hmm. And then having her be this, where she's not the main actress. Like, she's not the main player. She's just a supporting role. But boy, is she great. She's just <laughs> slimy and manipulative. And I love the fact that Cameron Diaz utilizes her baby voice that she often yeah, uses like, do you love me to be a bitch or it's like he should be asking that to you <laughs> i also love we've talked about this with uh the other woman and annie cameron diaz although a very attractive woman is not at all afraid to make herself like just yeah ugly yeah. up ugly like face like yeah. do ugly facial expressions or body stuff like when i think of her in this movie i think of her wiping her armpit sweat off and telling him off At and the there's end? like that gross oh, yeah oh, when she's yeah. in the wedding dress she's doing the two more minutes guys <laughs> she's like wiping her armpit sweat in her wedding dress and she's like got this mean look on her face that's what i think of her as in this movie as well as the <laughs> final image of her which is just overwhelmed perfection <laughs> um so when the dead hookers thing happened mm-hmm. and the film played out the way it did, were you surprised with how it all unraveled? Not really. What's the kind of feeling? Um, I, I did have the notion that like, okay, it's it's a bachelor party. They're being told to behave. Something's going to happen there. Okay, there's a there's a there's a hooker or a stripper. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a potential for a dead hooker story, and then obviously that happened. I'm like, okay, I see where it and is. And the security guard came. Um. I guess it's it's a story that I I understand. I know how it plays out in my head, um, but I maybe haven't experienced it personally in anything. So mm. I kind of had this idea when it happened of like, oh, okay, so it's going to be like this one incident happens, and then for the rest of the film, not too much more is going to happen, but it's mm. all going to be in for in the you know everything's going to be, the goal is going to be to hide it and things are just going to get more stressful and I guess sort of like a Columbo situation in a way. Yeah, yeah. Of like, yeah, people are getting closer and closer to the truth. They have to find a way to hide this one thing. But then when they killed the security guard, I'm like, oh, okay, it's going to pile up crimes and blood reprehensibility. Blood. And yeah, so, and like I said, you don't have to like these guys. You don't have to hate them. You just have to separate yourself from them and see what happens. That's the thing. I don't like any of these people in yeah. this movie. And that's what makes me like it. There's, see, I've had this issue on my other podcast, Yum Yum Pod, where yeah. I talk about Star Trek, where people don't like the fact that I hate a character who's overtly evil. And they're like... The female Hitler, right? The female Hitler character. And they're like, but you like Khan and you like these other villains. Like, because they're villains. If the piece of media recognizes how reprehensible a character is, that in turn allows me the permission to watch it and like it. This isn't universal. There are still some things where they have reprehensible characters that I agree are reprehensible and I don't like them. But films like this and Train Spotting and idiot box and even two hands mm-hmm. you are sat there with really unlikable people but there's something fun and cathartic as a viewer about watching these 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 morally bankrupt individuals just dig themselves further and further down in the filth and they're going to get punished for it via the narrative via the themes via their own actions or inactions there's something cathartic there as well as Sometimes these characters, with cases like Two Hands or Idiot Box, they're good underneath all of the slime, but they don't know how to rise above that. Even though they're reprehensible, 
something about their, and more so train spotting, something about the reprehensible nature of the characters is inherently charming on its own. Like, you have not seen train spotting, no. but train spotting is like, you would not want to be near any of these characters in real life, mm. but you watch them in a film and you feel for them. You enjoy them. You don't want them to die. You want them to succeed, even though their success is just getting more heroin. Right? And that's what I think about very bad things is I don't like a single character other than Daniel Stern. And I only like him because he's the one that has like a a fucking soul. But even <laughs> he commits to the horrendous act. Yeah. And he pays for it. And that's the thing. They all pay for it. And even innocent people get swept along with it. Like the like the wife of Daniel Stern um, and all of that. And... Did you recognize the, I'm forgetting his character's name, the quiet one, the one with the glasses? That, Charles? Yeah. Did you recognize that actor? He was really familiar, but I couldn't find him. The dad and the guest. The one who's always offering him a really? beer. Same guy. He's a real chameleon of an actor. Like, you see him and you go, ah, I always remember him in the film Seven, where he's the one that committed the lost murder, which is he fucked a woman to death with a, with a dildo, uh, with a strap on that was a knife. Did he gain weight in the guests? I'm not remembering. He doesn't have the glasses. He's older. He has more full head of hair, a little mustache. Yeah, just time and also just he looks... He's one of those guys just looks different. Like, mm. how many movies have we had Patrick Wilson on? And I go, you know that's Patrick Wilson? And you're like, really? The guy from the A-Team? And I just... You get blindsided. Like, you're looking now like, which one's Patrick I'm, Wilson? No, no, no. I remember he was in the, the Samuel Jackson cop film, the Terrace, Lakeview Terrace. Lakeview Terrace. And yeah. we had him and, and he was in the A-Team as like the FBI. There's some actors, even though they're recognizable looking people... Different hairstyle, a mustache, mm. lack of glasses, glasses. You almost I'll, I'll Stephen honest, Root. One of the yeah, spatial blindness. Um, one of the things I actually did know about this film was that John Favreau was in it, but I'm mm. more familiar with what he looks like now. now. So when I watched the film, I'm like, which one is John Favreau? The the main guy. Oh, he was the main character. I didn't. Yeah, I like all of the characters because I don't like them. Mm. They, I mean, we 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 haven't said it. Fully, but the movie lives and dies on the fact that Christian Slade is fucking great. Because he is... He's the big slimy one. He's the Disney villain, right? In terms of, he's evil and he loves it. He's, he's Yeah, I could see him being in, like, one of those gangster movies that, like, Scorsese or, um, or the other one that I was thinking of but I've forgotten would make. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Coen Brothers. Or... Coen's, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the auteur ones where it's like, oh, this slimy guy, but there's so much to him. And yeah, he, yeah. He, he progresses the plot. Yeah, he's a bastard, but he knows it. And there's something so fun about that. I... And like at first, it was more like a, like why do you know all this stuff? It's like look, I'm just thinking about it now, right? I love the trivia points out. Like when he's asked if he's done this before, he does not answer the question. He just diverts to another conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what did you think of his, him in this and how his character rose to the situation and became the antagonist? <laughs> did you see that coming? Did you enjoy it nonetheless? If you did, or and how did you think? Of, what did you think of his ending? Uh, I I don't know if I saw it coming, but like I said, th this is this was a completely necessary character for this film. Like, he's the one who shuts down the calling the police thing. He's the one that calms them all down and says, like, "Look, we just have to bury the body, and that's it." And then he kills a guy and makes the situation even worse. And then straight up says, "Like, all right, guys, change of plan." And that's him throughout the film. More changes of plan because things keep happening. And then it gets to the point where he doesn't even bother saying change of plan. He just does things. I also like that it's not like change of plan. It was like, all right, so now we've got only one option. Before mm -hmm. we had more, but now it's just one. So we've got to follow through now mm -hmm. and to the bitter end. But also, guys, I love you. This is about love. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There was that. I can't remember what it was after, but they were in the car, and and John Favreau was like, "I'm getting married," and he's like, "What did you say that again? I'm getting married." That is exactly the point. <laughs> love. This is all about love. <laughs> he just like turns it into a good thing, and he kisses him for a really long. He does time, for yeah. a really long time. Yeah, not just a do, peck. Do you think? Any homoeroticism was a part of his motivation to do any of this. Do you think that he was actually, like, in love? Because they're childhood friends. Mm. They have, like, this backstory that's kind of talked about. Like, you see at the dad, the dad at the practice dinners, giving the speech and talk about Boyd and blah, blah, blah. Like, they have this long-term relationship. And then that kiss kind of, like, all culminates and... 
What do you think about that notion? Because we've had this in the past with the guest. The guest, there was yeah. a slight homoeroticism that you could bring from that. But what do you think about that being floated by? Because he did kiss him for a very long time. I can see the arguments and I can see counter arguments to my not thinking that it might have been a homo thing. Um, that sounds a bit rude, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, a homoerotic thing. Well, it was homoerotic, but I, I, what I'm saying is I don't necessarily think that he had feelings for the main character. I think that was just his inherent sociopathy coming out. I was going to say, he has, he's incapable of having genuine human emotions. Yeah, but he's able to fake them really well. <laughs> he practices. Yeah. I, one of the first things we see him do is just yell at a guy who's looking at a house that he hasn't, like, invited him in yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like... Yeah on the phone and being all like, yes, yeah, so whatever. Excuse me for a second. Hey, get the fuck out of here. Mm. <laughs> yeah, the the, di- the dichotomy of the character is yeah. really well defined. And Christian Slater nails it because he looks like the kind of guy this is. I was he getting... looks like a real estate agent who murders people. I was getting like Jack Nicholson vibes. From well, that's that his time, whole yeah. life. I mean, <laughs> he's always had that. I think he has a famous quote where he says like, uh, you know, people always say that I'm trying to be Jack Nicholson. Like, if I even raise an eyebrow, they say, that's him doing Jack. What do you want me to do? Cut off my eyebrows? <laughs> well, no, it was, it was the smile for me, so cut off your lips. I think there's a great sketch in the TV show The Critic, which is the Jay Sherman show, the mm-hmm. Jay Sherman, the film critic, where it's like uh, um, a few more good gentlemen with Christian Slater, and it's Christian Slater, Jack Nicholson, and it's like... Jack Nicholson's like, you want the truth? You want the truth? You can't handle the truth. And he's like, yes, I freaking can. Okay, here's the freaking truth, kid. You look like me. You sound like me. You want to be me. And then Christian Slater turns around and says, objection. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then the judge's like, oh, typist, could you read all that back? And it's like another, it's a woman. And she's like, he said, if you want the truth, you can. <laughs> she just has the exact same voice. <laughs> That's what I think about with Christian Slater. But I love him in this movie because he is physically intimidating. Mm. He has that deranged look in his eye where you know he's trying to figure out what angle he can play this. What angle can I do this? Can I manipulate this person? He's not subtle, but he's... His his energy is just so in your face that you can believe that the other characters would just buy into because he's the only calm one. Yeah, I there was one scene somewhere where all five of them were in the frame and you can get a sense of like all their heights to each other. And I think he was like the second shortest one of the group, but he just felt, you know, much bigger. Yeah, like Daniel Stern's huge in comparison, but like he—he's mm. like he wilted at Christian Slater just being like, "Shut the fuck up, put that phone down, motherfucker!" Like mm. <laughs> Christian Slater is what makes the movie. I think I all of it's great, all of the carnage of the direction, but it's that kind of movie where, like Rocky Horror Picture Show, mm-hmm. what makes a camper movie work so many times is you have that one core performance that's like a powerhouse of insanity like with Tim Curry and Rocky Horror or, or Legend, mm-hmm. where the rest of it's all great and there's all this fun stuff that you can latch on to and like the violence and John Favreau and the direction, the music and Cameron Diaz, but you're really here for that one performance and it's Christian Slater. And it's because it's it's the culmination of his entire career, I think. He's played a lot of these roles, mm-hmm. but this is like... The one where it's it's so pitch perfect of him just being a piece of garbage because he was in the film Heathers and in the film Heathers they try because Winona Ryder is the main character and she's in love with him. They try to make him somewhat of the romantic leady guy, but he's obviously insane, but it's framed from the perspective of the naive Winona Ryder. Well in this film there is no framing it from a naive perspective. You, the audience, know immediately as soon as he was the one that's like, don't call the police. Mm-hmm. You know exactly what he's going to do and he's where he's really, going to go. He's really confident considering he just found a body. Yes. I love when he fought the wife in the bed <laughs> and she kicked his ass super hard. <laughs> what did you think of that? Kicked his ass and bit the thing on the other side of the ass. Bit his dick. Yeah. What did you think of that? That was fucking brutal. <laughs> yeah, that was. Especially since he just had that whole thing of like, that's a mother. You think I'm going to kill her? Yeah. I also like how 
he killed her because he's like, you know, I took offense to what you said about there. That was in, that was insulting. <laughs> this guy's like nothing but insulting to everyone. And then once you insult him, he's like, you know what? I didn't like that. That wasn't fair. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, when I think of the movie, I think of the end of Christian Slater where he gets beat the fuck out and then his bloody hand coming out and he's just like i got the rings i got the ring because <laughs> yeah because there was a thing of like oh where's the rings where's the rings and it just cut to him climbing up the stairs i got the rings i got the rings like he just listened to them he in that moment he becomes the slasher villain that's come back from the dead no, he, he thought he was dead but he's back again he becomes the guy from cannibal the musical who once you try to kill him like he just becomes like the rasputin that won't die yeah but you know what i'm talking about like you think oh you think he's dead but actually he's still there and he's gonna fuck everything up but then he just dies because he gets a door open on his face <laughs> that was great i love that and then i i don't know why it's a jump scare but it's one that makes me laugh which is when he's when the other guy the the quiet ones the guy from the guest is getting the ring out and then obviously he gets the jump scare where he, you know Christian Slater wakes up grabs his wrist and screams and then the guy then it cuts back to the inside of the church or the venue and you just hear Jesus Christ <laughs> and then silence silence and then cuts yeah. back and, and Christian Slater's dead then cuts back and they're all like what the fuck was that and then he just runs out he's like oh good got the rings. <laughs> Yeah, that was great. <laughs> no explanation given to the crowd of, Jesus Christ! <laughs> We're at a church, guys. We're at a church, guys. It was very funny. <laughs> I, I, I also think what makes the movie work is just you feel both great and terrible to what happens to these people. What was your thought process on this? Like I like I said, I enjoyed how cruel this movie is to his characters. I know you're a little bit more sensitive to that stuff than mm. I. How did you feel about how how the movie's moral compass really <laughs> punished these characters? Again, I think the film it, it's appropriate to the what the film is. It, it works mm. for me. Um yeah, as 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 much as I did have reactions to things like when when da- Daniel Stern David mm. Daniel Stern got uh, uh, driven well not driven over he got rammed <laughs> between two vehicles um, that was like a very you know visceral reaction like oh my god but I I bought it from this movie because this film it's already killed people we've already had a really really bloody bathroom that we saw almost every angle on oh. when it was bloody. Um, yeah, th- this we knew the two brothers hated each other. We knew the two brothers hated each other, and like I said later on, when Cameron Diaz like really showed her true colors, I was like, you know what? This isn't surprising. No, no, I think that's what turns people. It's weird because I agree, you listen yeah. to reviews from Roger Ebert, and Roger Ebert's like, these guys are disgusting pigs, and I can't believe the movie celebrates their violence. No, it doesn't. It punishes them. Yeah. And then you have other people like, this movie's mean and cynical and punishes these guys horribly. It's like, what do you want? Do you want John Favreau to just be happy at the end? He committed a crime. Yeah. He was one that, like, throughout the like beginning parts of the he film- He was probably one that just as bad as Christian <laughs> Slater. Like, at first, I thought that he was sympathetic, but the fact that he was engaging in all this stuff and, you know, well, he, 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 he became- The moment he lost his soul, truly, was when he- said that Adam, that's his character's name, Daniel yeah, Stone, yeah. Slept was with slept with the prostitute. Yeah, oh, for sure, yeah. And, by, then by that that let, and then just let Christian Slater do the rest. Mm. That's, I mean, that's where he, he couldn't come back. Yeah, I mean, he, that was his, f- like, out of the group, that he was probably, like, his biggest f- actual friend out, other than the quiet one. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. Like, he seemed like the... Other than the quiet well, he, he did seem very normal and nice. Just like he's dealing with a wife that's or fiance that's like you know pushing him a bit too much unreasonably. He didn't sleep or like touch the hooker when she yeah. was dancing. He's like, no, 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 I can't do it. He did just want to have a bachelor party. Yes, but then he committed. But then, to the fact that. But then the, I don't want yeah. my wedding to be ruined. Yeah, but then the plot of the movie, you know, and the events that happened, even after he promised God that. He would, like, become the better person almost immediately. Nope. Nope. I... What was one of the funniest moments to you in the movie? Something that gave you a laugh? I mean, me, I forgot, but I did say it earlier. 
wizards, wizards. And I love when the wife says to him, like, fucking wizards, Adam. Wizards, wizards, fucking wizards. And just, that was amazing. <laughs> and then when you go back in the car, it's like, they don't have any wizards. What do you mean they don't have any fucking wizards? They always have wizards, wizards. And just saying wizards over and over. It reminded me of the opening scene of Falling Down. <laughs> <laughs> but it was for comedy. Like, remember that opening is falling down. It's just like all of these noises just building up, building up. And, and you just can really feel the heat. Yeah. That's how I felt. Um, For me, and it was a very black comedy moment. It was... Mm. I've already mentioned that the very last scene of this film, Cameron Diaz is the main character. And with with that passing of the torch making her the main character, mm. it means that the previous main characters are sort of relegated to more supporting character mm. characterization that isn't as deep. So when we see John Favreau again, he's in a wheelchair, he doesn't have legs, and he's just like pathetically trying to get these two kids he's to got, like, like do a childlike voice going yeah. on. Come with on, it. come on, do the salute, do the salute or something like that. I was just like, Oh my god, how far you've fallen and that was just... The dog has three legs. <laughs> yep, and then he falls over and it's like, Wow, this guy's so... The friend's like a vegetable in the background <laughs> spinning around. He seems like he's having a decent time at least. So and that's nice because like he was he was a nice ish guy. He, I mean, he, he, he was got, part he, of the situation. He was one of the first to immediately go with Christian Slater though. He's like the first guy that like, No no, he's got a point. Yeah, that's true so fuck him uh, <laughs> like i love that ending i think the ending is so fucking mean but it's so funny like cameron when i think of the movie the other image other than christian slater with the bloody thing kind of up the stairs being like i got the rings is cameron diaz losing her fucking mind and the fluidity <laughs> of the camera following her yeah <laughs> and it it, 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 it and just her crying and falling down on the street and the camera pans up. Yeah, on like, the road, yeah. <laughs> and she's just crying, like her life is like this is a this is her prison now. Yeah, this is the yeah. life she lives. <laughs> the kids hate her. The kids hate him. She's got the three-legged dog. She's got the fucking dumbass friend she actively hated from the beginning. Out of all of his friends, she hated him the most. Yeah. Because he was weird. He was a dead end. He was quiet. And now he's even more quiet because he's a fucking vegetable. <laughs> I, I'm glad that that was your funny thing because I was like... It was the thing that made me laugh the most. Which it wasn't too hard of a laugh, but it was a good laugh. No, it's a, it's a, it's a very... I mean, I was wondering because I could see you liking the film and then seeing that and being like, oh, Jesus Christ, <laughs> and being like too much. But I knew also, I reckon Bartek will find just Cameron Diaz holding the rag and the, the brush and just going, oh! <laughs> flailing about like uh, and then one of my favorite little lines in there you can almost not hear it because because of the all this noise you mm-hmm. just hear as she's running away you hear john favreau say very quietly to the kids oh she's not running away from you guys she's just running somewhere else <laughs> and that makes me laugh yeah again like this this is a comedy film but one of the things i love the most about it was this like artistic quality to it like just all these really weird camera angles and tonal decisions like i really really enjoy this as a film yeah i i do too i think it's it's one that more people need to see and like i said a thing i really appreciate about it is it it has this like old testament quality to it like because one of our main characters is of very extreme jewish faith and then his brother and like there's this real sense of like what we did was a sin and we are going to actually be punished for this which i find to be an interesting thing to have in your 1990s black comedy because usually i think it would just be like oh no i'm afraid of getting caught really if ever they're afraid of getting caught but more it's like they're afraid of divine retribution of yeah. damnation <laughs> which i think is just great because then when they get punished throughout the narrative it's been supplanted in your brain that it's like almost like this like yeah this divine level of of fucking punishment that they're being subjected to that they've all brought it on themselves but also it feels like this is an old testament story <laughs> of like right and wrong and all of that i also love christian slater's motivational speeches that he gives and like none of them make any fucking sense <laughs> like the very first one in after the hook has been killed and he gives like this giant speech like what the fuck are you talking about what the fuck are you saying and you you don't even i know you said i know you said old testament but it would have been really funny if this film ended with like 
you know, Cameron Diaz on the road, then it cuts like Jesus telling a parable. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> More yeah. New Testament, but yeah. <laughs> no, Moses. Moses. Moses telling a parable. But I, I'm glad that Alex recommended this one. I, I 100% agree. I think this is one of the underrated ones. Hangover wishes it could be this, but it's too much of a fucking pussy of a movie, <laughs> movie to be this. I think everyone's perfect in it. I don't think there's a miscast person. I'd, I love a film that does get me having a sense of anxiety. Yeah. And this got me that so like Daniel Stern at the the um the wedding dinner thing. Yeah, the, yeah. his final scene. The, well, yeah, second his, final. Second him throughout that fucking scene was getting me going. I was like, oh, Jesus yeah, Christ. That and oh. the scene leading up to it with the petrol station. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Filling up the, the gas. gas station. The gas station. That scene was a lot. And the other one that got me too was, uh, I said it a bit before, but but Jeremy Piven descending into madness himself mm. and just, just losing it. Just <laughs> losing it. I come my brother. Come my brother. What was the word he kept saying? It was some re- really weird. Oh, some it's some childish like we've been booshed or whooshed or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, grooved, goofed. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love that. I also liked how he talked about. Uh, Did I miss my moment? That whole speech he has about like his dad is like you got to look for the whoosh moment, right, or mm. whatever. It's like, did I miss that? <laughs> was I too busy? Is this it now? Oh no, like. To, to some extent, like, I know I said I didn't like or hate any of them. He he got a little bit annoying after a point, but it was intentional. And you get annoyed because he's the reason this all fucking happens. And then he's the mo- he's arrogantly, like, chastising his brother. Yeah. He's like, you're the- you fucking killed her. This is all your fault. Yeah, him breaking down was also, like, a punishment to the rest of the group, too. Uh, so that's why it was. And, of course, you remember Jeremy Piven from the iconic film? Yeah, yeah, man. The ga- the Gary Miller film. Gary Marshall. Good no, try. I, no, no, that was intentional, because that Larry was- Larry Miller, right. Well, yeah, because that's what I said in the episode. Uh, Keeping up with the Steins. Yeah. Mo- most people would know him for Entourage, but I know him for Gross Point Blank, and this, and Keeping Up with the Steins. Was he also in Spy Kids? I don't know. No, I haven't seen. Was it your thumb forever. thumb? I don't know. I haven't seen those since the cinema. I loved this. I'm glad that you had a good time with it. I thought you would, but because you have a good dark sense of <laughs> dark comedy sensibility like me, but sometimes you know these movies be a lot. Mm. Uh, anything else you want to say? Any scenes or things you want to touch upon before you wrap this out? Um, nah, man. I think Jer- the Jeremy Piven thing was the last thing I wanted to point out. It's 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 a film that again I said at the beginning of this episode. I could see people not liking it, mm. but the things that you wouldn't like about it are the things that I like about it. I love the color palette of the movie too, like this orangey, tingy feeling, like gives you the sense of that that things are hot, mm. but also like I've complained about this a lot in movies, the colors of movies. Yeah. This is one of the few movies where it looking like somebody dunked this in a dirty toilet bowl works because the film is just fucking gross. Again, I just think of the petrol station scene. It's done well. The visual of the film, the color of it, just so... It just oozes grossness. But it works because that's what the movie is. It's these gross people doing these horrendous things. For what? For what? And then when we get to the wedding scene, it's all like kind of nicely looking, but horrific stuff happens there. Yeah, like he's bleeding from his fucking forehead. We haven't even mentioned that uh, Boyd takes a turn for greed for money at the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, what a dick. And and he doesn't even know that it's only like 14... Yeah, he doesn't know nothing. 14,000. <laughs> it's like, it's not even that much, man. Get over it. But he wants it. He's owed it. Yeah. You gotta hide that from me. Yeah. <laughs> what a prick. Uh, that's it. What is the movie for recommendation for next episode, Bartek? It is your pick. Yes, and you know what, Ryan? I... Th- I've picked a genre that I think we've never covered before. I think it's time we finally do a buddy cop film. <sighs> yes. Because it's been, what, like three weeks? And no name Norm. <laughs> no name Norm. We're actually doing it again. Okay, cool. No, I want to do 2012's End of Watch with our friends Jake Gyllenhaal <laughs> and Michael Pena. Okay, okay. <laughs> Thank Christ that you said, you clarify that, because my brain froze for a moment and went, 
end of watch and my brain went to that Ben Stiller comedy, The Watch, in which it's he <laughs> and Vince Vaughn and a bunch of others like a neighborhood watch run a neighborhood watch society, <laughs> but they find an alien gun and it's one of the worst <laughs> comedies because it wastes its comedic, like it wastes the potential of that idea and just kind of bums around with Ben Stiller being like, I know you're shocked by this idea. Hold yourself, Bartek, because this is a shocking idea that Ben Stiller is having in that movie. He's a man having a midlife crisis. Oh, shit. I know. It, was that a film that had, like, a bunch of comedic actors Yeah, Jonah time? Hill, Vince yeah, Vaughn, and Richard A. Awadi. I remember the, tribute, uh, the, the trailer for this. I saw it, and it was bland as fuck. <laughs> so, I thank God. End of Watch, which... Uh, Dave, I can't remember David Ayer's film. Yeah, someone impo- someone I I know the filmography of. Yeah, that's an interesting one. That's like a I haven't seen it in quite some time, but I remember liking Michael Pena in it. And mm. then I was like, and then I've seen him in other stuff. I'm like, all right, collateral beauty, friendship <laughs> over. <laughs> well, that will be that. So make sure people to watch that one for next episode. Buddy cop film. It is a buddy cop <laughs> film. Uh, until then, you can find us on the social medias of Facebook and Twitter. Spit and Polish presents. We'll be on there sharing things. You can chat to us, recommend things. Our email address is Bartek. Spit and polished at gmail.com. There you go. So feel free to send us your film recommendations. Uh, it's not just Alex from the Contrarians podcast. You can be there too. You can be there too. Uh, well, that's it, Bartek. I think we've got to end now. We've got to get out of here. We've got to, we've got to clean some stuff up. Yeah. I've got a lot of mess all over the place. And, um, look, I'm not saying it on the mic, on the air. I'm not saying that I've got a dead hooker mm-hmm. in my bathroom. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that we do this podcast because of love. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it's funny when you do, like, say things to the mic, because you know you're going to edit it out later and no one's ever going to hear it, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> then you can, like, pret- yeah, yeah, you don't even have to, yeah, it's all good. They, they won't know. I don't even have to talk normally. <laughs> I made the joke about the never doing buddy cop thing, but have we done like a found footage thing before on the podcast? Uh, that's a good question. So maybe it is a first. <laughs>